Hello, I'm Kristen McDonald, and thanks so much for joining us on Second Vision today. How would you like to reach a new level of peace, contentment, and achievement in your life? Well, if that's the case, then stay tuned. I have one of the world's leading pioneers in the introduction of meditation to our culture. Leonard Perlmutter is an author and workshop leader, and he's here today to talk about his new book, The Heart and Science of Yoga. And this book is highly acclaimed. It's won numerous awards in 2006 and 7, including the Benjamin Franklin Forward magazine and so many others that I couldn't possibly enumerate all of them. And Leonard introduced actually founded the American Meditation Institute in 1996 in Avril Park, New York. And as a result, these courses are now recognized by the American Medical Association as well as the American Nurses Association. So we have a great show ahead, so stay tuned. Welcome, Leonard. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Christian. Uh, It's a pleasure. How are you doing? I'm very interested and curious about your book, about how science and yoga go together. Well, I was uh, I was uh, curious too when I first uh, heard about it. I I hadn't known about yoga science until I started exploring this perennial psychology, perennial philosophy uh, from the East. And uh, uh, my my teacher Swami Rama of the Himalayas, who passed in uh, 1996, came to the West to introduce this Eastern science and philosophy uh, to uh, Western medical. Uh, uh, practice, and uh, I and the American Meditation Institute are continuing uh, that mission to bring this great practical teaching, thousands of years old, so that uh, each of us can live a life without the uh, the debilitating uh, consequences of too much stress, too much fear, too much uh, judgment and anger. Uh, it's uh, uh, an exhilarating and uh, transformative science. That's really interesting. I mean, we all suffer from stress, you know. And um, I mean, how has this benefited you in your life? And do you do a specific kind of yoga that's different? You know, there's so many different kinds. And I was reading on your website that you have kitchen yoga and uh, all sorts of different breathing. And I'd be curious to know, um, in addition to that question, um, if you have yoga for people with disabilities, you know, people in wheelchairs or elderly people, you know, is this a different kind of practice or... Well, you know, uh, we're talking about not only the physical aspect of yoga, but also uh, the mental aspect of yoga. So yoga science contains them both. It contains both the meditation and and the yoga postures. And if the truth be known, every human being, in some fashion, has a handicap. True. I I call all of us tempoplegics. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we suffer from tempoplegia. Now, uh, most folks uh, might not have ever heard of tempoplegia, but we all we all suffer from it. In other words, each of us becomes temporarily paralyzed in certain kinds of emotional situations where our emotional buttons are pushed. Right. And uh, and even though uh, yesterday the the level of stress uh, was manageable, uh, today when my buttons are being pushed, well, it's just too much. Uh, the interesting thing about yoga science uh, is that stress uh, itself is not a problem. Stress is, I, 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 I look upon stress as a little bit of uh, like radar or an early warning system. Stress, 
uh, is the way that our inner wisdom taps us on the shoulder and advises us that we have we have inner inner conflict between our outer actions and our inner wisdom. When we have too much conflict between our thoughts, words, and deeds and our own inner wisdom, well, then the alarm goes off and we feel stress. That's just to alert us that we have to make a mid-course correction, have to resolve the inner conflicts. And yoga science provides us a, a template for doing that. It asks each of us to turn over our entire mind-body-sense complex into a personal laboratory. So it's really preventative. That's right. Because at that point, we never have that uh, choice, you know, when we're so stressed out. I know even in my own life, absolutely, uh, I've said things or done things too impulsively and said, why did I do that, you know? I just should have thought it out. But I, and then later I realized, God, I was so stressed so, for some other reason. So when we, when we sit and we meditate, we are mm-hmm. training the mind uh, in four separate ways. First of all, we are making the mind one-pointed. That is the beginning of genius and creativity, one-pointed attention. And because in mantra meditation, we give our full, complete, undivided attention to this mantra. And every time we listen to the mantra, it does three things. It generates love and fearlessness and strength. So the first benefit from the meditation is that that we have this one-pointed attention. The second benefit that we gain by meditating is that we create a space between stimulus and response. So just because a thought comes into my awareness that evokes fear or that evokes anger doesn't mean that I necessarily have to give in to it. So suddenly you have a shield. You have have some protection. Well, that's right. I, I, it's sort of like, uh, you know, you watch these movies and all of a sudden you can, you can slow them down to turn, turn it, a video into slow motion. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what meditation helps us to do. It, it slows down the action so that there is a space between stimulus and response that's created. Now, in that space between stimulus and response lies freedom to redirect my attention to my conscience one of the four major functions of the mind is our conscience, known as buddhi. And the, and the conscience acts as a mirror that can reflect wisdom from the superconscious portion of the mind. Superconscious portion of the mind lies beyond the conscious. It lies beyond the unconscious. It's the same portion of the mind where Albert Einstein saw mathematical equations and Paul McCartney hears beautiful melodies. Right. Right, so, and and you know, our, it's a it's a muscle. I mean, it's just like going to the gym, right? I would think that it's like training right. your brain. That's right. And yeah, because your body it, to do that. Well, uh, here here's the situation: is that the conscience acts as a mirror, but if we don't use it, what happens to a mirror that's not used regularly? Dust right. and debris fall on it, and and the dust and debris retard its reflective capacity. It can right. still reflect something. But what it will reflect in that case when it's not clean is not the superconscious portion of the mind. It will reflect the loudest voice that it hears. And that would be, of course, the ego and the senses and the unconscious mind. 
So do you do the yoga for more of uh, for exercise and for the breathing and the meditation to balance out the the spirit? I mean, well, it uh, it, it uh, the the easy gentle yoga that uh, that we uh, uh, teach uh, is is for uh, the physical uh, body, but you have to remember mm-hmm. too that uh, uh, yoga uh, defines the body uh, the, in a similar way to. Uh, the concept of the Russian nesting dolls, you know, the doll within the doll within the doll. Mm-hmm. And so subtler than the physical body is the mental body, the mental covering, if you will. Right. And between the mental covering and the physical is the energy body or the pranic sheath. So the more that we can concentrate our one-pointed attention when we are doing our yoga postures, our consciousness goes from the physical, goes from the mental into the energy sheath. Mm -hmm. And that attention energizes in a very positive way the energy of this center covering, and it positively affects the physical body as well as the mental body. Very interesting. And I think in one of our earlier conversations, you had said that, uh, you know, we need this training in how to react when we're stressed because so many of our decisions and or concepts in life have happened before age five. You know, I remember we talked about Dr. Bruce Lipton having been on my show yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's so many of these impressions are formed. Our reactions, we're trained to react in a certain way, which isn't always the best way. Yes. Uh, 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 Bruce Lipton uh, talks about the fact that from, from uh, uh, prenatal to uh, six years of age, uh, the discrimination of our conscience is not fully developed. Uh, we're aware during the, that period of time but, but our awareness is more like a television camera. So we're, mm-hmm. we're observing the world. And, and what are the biggest uh, figures uh, in our vision at that time? Why, it's mom and dad. And so we're always observing mom and dad and their face. And when a new situation, a new experience, a new relationship comes along, and mom is smiling and inviting... I, I believe that everything is okay. It's safe to engage in this experience. But if mom or dad uh, frown or have a worried face and their forehead is furrowed, why, they're teaching me that uh, this, is, this is a danger. Avoid it. And mm-hmm. that becomes the software of my mind, and I carry it throughout my, higher, my entire life unless I meditate and can change the software. That's the beauty of meditation. That's a million times more powerful than good intentions, these unconscious concepts, and many of them are just wrong. Now, why do you say that physics and um, you know science go together with yoga? Well, everything in the universe is one holistic whole. So that's what quantum physicists are telling us. Mm-hmm. Everything is a shimmering vibration of particles and molecules. The reason that I see diversity, the reason that I see 
different human beings and animals and plants and whatever many objects I can perceive, it is really a limitation of my brain and my senses, seeing two where one really exists. So if if I am standing next to you and, and, and speaking to you, Kristen, uh, uh, I think that my ego uh, defines us as two separate human beings. That's true on, on a very basic level of consciousness, but the truth is that the space between us is pregnant from with life, and you would not exist, nor would Leonard exist, without that 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 life force that is between us. So, in fact, it's all one force vibrating at different uh, uh, levels. And the brain and the senses are so rudimentary in their instrumentation, we define two instead of seeing the holistic one. It's a little bit like mathematics. Mathematics is sort of the language of spirit. We learned in grade school the numbers. We learned Mm -hmm. one, and we learned two, and three, and four, and five. Truth is, there's really only one number, and that number is one. So, for example, the number three is really one, appearing three times. Or five is really one, appearing five times. So, increasingly through our meditation practice and our gentle yoga practice, in to see the unicity within the diversity. Very interesting. So we begin to live in the world, but we Mm -hmm. recognize that we are both at simultaneously a citizen of two worlds. Essentially, we are eternal consciousness, wisdom, and bliss. Having a human experience in time and space with a mind-body-sense complex that is subject to change, death, decay, and decomposition. And the tools and the keys for successful living is to unite the two worlds. Right, we're all, we're all energy. We are all energy. We yeah. are all energy. Yeah. Uh, I, I was listening to some interesting podcast recently when they were talking about uh, trying to um, define what the weight of a soul is, you know, and how and where these souls go when they pass. And you know how much how how much they weighed in terms of matter. You know it was fascinating because we never go away. We're all energy. That's right. And 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 at death we we don't go anywhere. We simply live in our habit patterns, mm-hmm. both here and hereafter. Because even though at death the mortal self, namely the breath, conscious mind, body. And senses, even that, even though that falls off, the unconscious portion of the mind, that which is the repository for everything we deem essential to self-preservation, continues. It is still connected to a droplet of consciousness from the ocean of consciousness, and it goes into a rest state. So, death really changes nothing. Uh, we go nowhere, just that our unconscious portion of our mind, that which we are attached to, goes into a rest state. Mm. 
And when did you get into, you started practicing yoga at a very young age, right? Well, I wouldn't call it yoga at a very young age. I would, mm-hmm. say, I w- I would say it this way, Kristen, that uh, uh, from early childhood, uh, I saw the world a little bit differently. I, I was always very philosophically oriented, just the way I, I saw relationships philosophically. So I was drawn to uh, studying, uh, even in my teenage years, uh, different spiritual and religious traditions. Uh, and I loved them all. And it wasn't until I, I began uh, in earnest uh, in my 20s uh, to examine yoga science where I saw that all spiritual traditions, all religious traditions, at their core, at their, their, had their basis and their origin in yoga science. All the great preceptors of every religion were all yoga scientists. And so you started practicing this in high school, or...? I started studying it. I can't say that I was practicing it yet, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I was reading voraciously uh, at any opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was a, a time uh, where there was a teacher uh, uh, in the United States by the name of Alan Watts, and uh, he uh, was uh, a teacher, I believe, uh, on the West Coast, and uh, Yogananda uh, uh, was teaching uh, uh, in uh, Los Angeles area. And uh, I was I was charmed by uh, by the philosophy of it. It wasn't until really uh, 1974, 75, that uh, I began a relationship uh, through uh, books with Swami Rama of the Himalayas, uh, who had come to uh, the United States uh, under the instruction of, of his master, Bengali Baba, to bring the philosophy uh, of the East uh, and marry it with the medical principles. And and, uh, and I sorry, go ahead. That, and I continue that same lineage today through the American Meditation Institute. Yes, I looked up your website and it's really so incredible. I mean, so many different links. I was actually wanted to tell our listeners, too, um, where they can find those downloads. That's one thing I had difficulty with because I'm vision impaired, but I'm sure it's there. Uh, finding the downloads for meditations or uh, videos or anything like that that people yes, can listen yes. to? Yeah. The uh, the website is AmericanMeditation.org, mm-hmm. AmericanMeditation.org. We're a, a nonprofit uh, in uh, upstate New York, Averill Park, uh, by Albany. AmericanMeditation.org uh, uh, is the address for our for our website, and we offer classes. We offer uh, streaming for folks uh, uh, distance learning. It's, uh, it's a new world, and uh, it's a great way to uh, communicate this ancient teaching uh, yep. to to modern uh, folks. And all sorts of certification, I noticed, with physicians and, uh, you know, I mean, so tell us a little bit more about the kind of work you've done with cancer patients and at various hospitals. I know you've, you've, uh, you've spoken at, or taught at West Point. I mean, you have such an incredible background. Uh, it's true. We've been very blessed. Uh, uh, the American Medical Association uh, has certified 
this core curriculum of the heart and science of yoga for uh, physicians and the American Nurses Association for nurses, for them to receive continuing medical education credits. Uh, I've taught, interestingly, uh, at uh, West Point, which for me was a real tickle, uh, for the uh, colonel who had invited uh, me to uh, speak. He was enthralled with the teaching, and, and at one point uh, he asked me, well, do you have uh, a background in military science? Much of what you're teaching sounds like a military science. Isn't that something? I said, Colonel, I said, uh, even military science has its origin in yoga science because there is a, there's a war going on, there's a battle going on, and it's in the mind. And we, there are these forces of darkness like fear and anger and selfish desire that are uh, in battle with our inner wisdom. So these principles of yoga science have been adapted. One of the uh, one of the uh, major principles uh, science of contemplation. In contemplation, we review every day. This practice itself makes yoga so radical because we're forced to be truthful with ourselves. We review every day at a quiet time thoughts that we thought yesterday the words that we spoke and the actions that we take. Analyze them. How many of them have served our inner wisdom? Conflict with our wisdom. And all of those those forces uh, that we have served yesterday in mind, action, and speech that have conflicted with our inner wisdom. What what contemplation does is us a pre-battle intelligence briefing, because if I had a skirmish, an encounter with fear or anguish, desire that conflicted with my inner wisdom yesterday, chances are there's going to be a sniper waiting for me some relationship tomorrow that is going to it's bring up fear so true. or anger or selfish desire. So the colonel said, uh, oh, we call that AAR. I said, well, what's AAR, Colonel? He said, it's after action review. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what the the Army calls it, after action review, AAR. And that's just the yoga practice of contemplation. That is great. I mean, and you're right about, uh, you know, our actions are a mirror to the universe. It's it's karmic. I mean, if you have an angry spat with somebody, you're likely to get it back the next day. Oh, all of life is like Groundhog Day, the movie. It is. It really is. Until we change our our uh, reaction to things. Yes, yes, it's so true. And and so so, what is the bridge of yoga? The bridge of yoga is the way template for basing our outer actions on our inner. Yoga, of course, means union. So, what the bridge of yoga does, it nights, our thoughts, our words, and our actions with our own inner intuitive wisdom. Access that nice. intuitive wisdom through our conscience. So in every situation, we're asked to have that bridge of yoga with us. And we're asked to counsel within our inner wisdom before we act without. Before we commit our assets 
and think of this in, in military terminology. Before before we uh, think a thought, speak a word, or take an action that is definitely going to bring about a consequence, either in one direction or the other, first we have to counsel within. We need some we need some intelligence, it's just like the military needs good intelligence. Well, what's the best intelligence? Is it just from the ego? I think not. The ego is often wrong, even though it's never in doubt. But the senses, same with the unconscious mind. Not that they're always wrong, but our conscience, instead of having just a limited perspective, has a 360-degree panoramic view. So if we can use the bridge of yoga to access this wisdom, a 360-degree panoramic view of what's to be done and what's not to be done, and turn that inner wisdom into my thoughts, my words, and my deeds, then the consequences that flow, is the promise, will enable me to fulfill the purpose of my life without pain, misery, or bondage. That's beautiful. Now, when you're talking about reviewing everything, meditating and reviewing on things from the day before, I mean, I've always found, um, and this is what we're talking about here, is that when we have quiet time, the answers come, you know, to, to so many different things. When, when we let go of things and we quiet our minds, and more often than not, nobody takes the time to review the, yesterday's actions, from you know their small actions to their, their monumental actions. But um, I'm curious to know about your meditations. Are they guided? Do you have the kind of meditations where you're just following your breath or a word, or you just let the, the thoughts flow? I've always gotten caught in that, you know, and I... I um, I, I preferred a guided meditation in the beginning because that focused me more, you know. Well, so do, and so do I. Uh, we, we teach uh, from the oldest continuous spiritual and meditation lineage tradition in the world, uh, and it is mantra-based. There is an entire science of mantras. Mantra is a word or a series of words that contains the name of the divine reality. Remember, in the New Testament, John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That's a very interesting statement. The Word equals God. Really, what John was talking about in the New Testament is vibration. Words are vibrations. Of course, it's energy. But in mantras, the name of the supreme reality... Uh, uh, contains a perfect harmonic. Now, our mind-body-sense complex contains a perfect harmonic at our core. We call it the soul. But it is layered by ignorance. Ignorance contained in the mind. But you know, right. fear and anger and judgment and selfish desires. So when we give our full attention the mantra, that perfect harmonic washes over the entire mind-body-sense complex and motivates the individual to want to examine and let go of any inner conflict that is not true. And that, wow, that's great. That, that, that provides us the willpower and the inquisitiveness meditate, to let go of our fear, let go of our anger, let go of our selfish desires, 
we do, we recognize that they are just energy. It cannot be created nor be destroyed, but it can be transformed. So, now, are these... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So as I, as I willingly base my outer action on my inner wisdom in real life, in real relationships, instead of acting or speaking or thinking fearful thoughts, greedy thoughts, if sacrifice this energy back to the origin from which it came, it can be transformed. Strategic serves of a positive energy, willpower, and action of my capacity. Now, are these written in the book? Are they... Are they better to get on audio? You know, because you're talking about a series of a specific kind of um, meditation. I would love to to invest in. Well, we have we have uh, guided meditations on CDs uh, mm-hmm. that are available. We also they are also uh, in, in, and we also have we also have a, uh, a video five and a half hour online video that replicates entire core curriculum of the Heart and Science of Yoga book. Yes, now what's the name of that link? Because I was looking for that. Uh... called Comprehensive Meditation and Easy Gentle Yoga. Okay, so that's the, that would be, there would be a link there, right? Because I'm yes. listening to a reader when it's, yeah. Okay, great. Well, it's really fascinating, you know, all of your work, and it certainly inspired me. And I'm actually, uh, believe it or not, off to yoga today for the first time in a couple of months because I wasn't able, wasn't allowed to do it. Uh, I had uh, some stem cell therapy, which is a whole other show, <laughs> but um, wasn't allowed to stand on my head for a couple of months. Small price to pay, right, to get part of your eyesight back. So I am very enthused about going today, and um, you know, I'm I'm really eager to look into more of, you know, the things that you've offered on your website, AmericanMeditationInstitute.org. And I'd like to tell our listeners again about the book and mention your other book if you'd like to, too, and anything else you'd like to say before we wind, wind down on time. Well, we also uh, publish a quarterly uh, journal called Transformation. It's a uh, journal of meditation as mind-body medicine. Remember that uh, yoga science is the oldest mind-body medicine in the world. Uh, that can be uh, uh, received either digitally or uh, printed version from AmericanMeditation.org. Great. And the name of your book, The Heart and Science of Yoga, Happiness and uh, Freedom from Fear, right? Uh, the, the subtitle is The American Meditation Institute's Empowering Self-Care Program for a Happy, Healthy, Joyful Life. Beautiful. Great. Well, thank you so much, Leonard, for your time today, and uh, it was wonderful meeting you, even though it's over the phone, and I love all the work you're doing, and and as I said earlier, you certainly inspired me. Well, thank you for uh, making such a uh, a welcoming, uh, safe environment, uh, not only for me, but for so many folks uh, uh, with whom you have these kinds of conversations. It's uh, a loving work. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, and you've been listening today. You've been with um, my guest today, Leonard Perlmutter. And I hope you check out his website and his new book. And you've been listening to Second Vision with Kristen McDonald. And I hope you remember that the mind, body, and spirit go together. And we all need tools in our back pocket 
so we make better decisions. So have a blessed day, and thanks for tuning in.